now the news. The front page is brought to you by Bonkers Comedy Club at the Suncoast. The Suncoast Hotel and Casino is the place to eat, drink, and laugh. Check out Bonkers Comedy every Saturday night. Shows at 7 and 9 p.m. Lights FC beat Monterey oh, Bay 4-0 last night. They snapped a four-game losing streak. They now have two wins in their last 11. Uh, by the way, they scored four last night. They had scored two total in their previous four games. Uh, Lights, so right now, they sit two points out of the final playoff spot, uh, but they have played one more game than Rio Grande Valley. So Rio Grande has an extra game, a game in hand. Uh, Lights close out the season against New Mexico, who's sixth in the West. Miami, who's seventh in the East, and LA Galaxy 2, who's 11th in the West. So three teams, two that are borderline playoff teams, and one team that is not any good. Um, If they win all three, they're not guaranteed by any means, but if they win all three, they have a legitimate shot to be in the the playoffs. They could win all three and still not make it, but if they do win all three, they'll probably be in because how many are at home? Uh, the first two, New Mexico and Miami are at home. And then they go on the road to finish the season against LA. So that's your big win last night. Yeah. Kept them alive. It's it. They need, they basically, they're basically playing like they have to win every single game to get in because if they lose one, since Rio Grande Valley has a game in hand to still, they're probably not going to the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. So Hope restored last night until probably to play again. I want him to go for Lashbrook. Do you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> you I do. I want him to go to the playoffs. Team? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun. I want him to go just so there's an actual playoff team. Come on. It's been like five years around here. The team's been That's terrible why, every know, year. It's uh, the closest want, they've ever I been. I want Brett to get a playoff game. Be nice for him. Playoff Since starts. give up in the locker room? Hell no. What kind of questions that, Phil? Aaron Rodgers denied getting intel on the Bucks offense from the Jumbotron. So did you see after the game against Tampa Bay, his post-game interview on TV, he said that he they showed something on the Jumbotron they shouldn't have shown, and he relayed that information to Matt LaFleur, his head coach. Yesterday, he was on with Pat McAfee, and Rodgers said that he didn't see anything special, and he doesn't even know if it helped the Packers win. Why would he backtrack on, hey, I saw uh, something on the Jumbotron, yeah, too? I, I, I think he saw something on the Jumbotron. But why would he backtrack? Like, what's the downside to Aaron Rodgers knowing, or Aaron Rodgers saying, hey, I saw something on the Jumbotron? Uh, I mean, I guess to make it look like he doesn't need that to to succeed, that he doesn't need to see something. But it was the de- I mean, it was the defense yeah. succeeding. Like it was the defense had to get a stop, and they did on the two point conversion. But like I don't know, it just like I couldn't think of a reason as to why Aaron Rodgers would be like, ah, oh, I saw something, and then a day later, now didn't see anything. Yeah. Like I just to me the incentive to lie, I I, I don't know what it is. I can't figure. I out think what he it just be. likes it. Not but, to get the jumbotron guy in trouble. So then, well, does that guy, does he care about that guy? He doesn't care know. about his own family. Um. So, <laughs> hey, I. I normally don't like to uh, back up Aaron Rodgers, but I understand the not liking his own family thing. So if if we assume that he's lying in one of these for just the sake of lying, which one? Oh, I think he, it's the one that with Pat McAfee. So you think he did see yes, something? Yes, I think he, I don't, he, he says it. If you say it right after the game, then I think that's what happened. I don't know. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's probably sitting on the sideline being like, what stupid crap can I say in the post-game interview? He's probably sitting on the sideline going, whoa. 
Have you looked at my hands? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Steve Nash. Here's a quote he said when asked about him and Kevin Durant's relationship. We're fine. We're good. Ever since we talked, it's been like nothing's changed. I have a long history with Kevin. I love the guys. Families have issues. We had a moment, and it's behind us. That's what happens. It's a common situation in the league. Kevin Durant asked for Steve Nash and the GM of the Nets to get fired. To be fired. <laughs> That's just not a situation. Right. Uh, a, and by the way, a common situation. Yeah, no. Steve Nash is acting like multiple star players come out and say the coach, I want and, the coach GM and GM need to be fired. Have to go. Right. It's and, happened. But not as common as he would say it is. It's not common for that to happen. When I was a player, I said that all the time. (laughs) So, Steve Nash. um, This is what you say on the opening day of training camp. This is exactly what you say on the opening day of training camp. Trying to downplay it Yeah, you downplay it. That was the first question that was going to be asked of him. Did you see Kevin Durant got mad at a reporter? Oh, God. So, Kevin Durant. Yesterday? Yeah, or two days ago. Kevin Durant got asked. um, Basically, somebody asked him a question. Do you have anything to say to fans um, uh, about the chances that you'd leave again, right? That if the team starts poorly, that you'd ask for a trade. And Kevin Durant's response was something to the effect of, I don't know the fans anything. A reporter tweeted out his quote, and Kevin Durant got mad because the reporter tweeted his quote, but before it said, Kevin Durant, when asked about if he would ask for a trade again. And Kevin Durant got mad that the question was misquoted before his answer. Well, it's a different question. Is it? I mean, do you yeah, have anything to say said, to the fans? Anything, do you owe anything to fans? No, he didn't. No, no. He said, I don't know anything to fans. The question was, do you have anything to say to fans about if the team starts poorly, will you ask for a trade again? Why Why would you even put the fans in the question? It's a bad question. It's a it's a media member that's like, hey, I work for the fans, so don't get mad at me for asking this question. That's what that's what I have to assume the media member was doing. Okay. Anytime you go with, hey, do you have something to say to the fans? It's either they're congratulating you because you did something great or they're you're trying to find a way to buffer your own question right. so, the, so the athlete doesn't get mad at you. It's a bad question, but Kevin Durant got mad that the – that tweet. The, question, the tweet and the question wasn't exactly what was said. Right, which I think is ridiculous. Like, he's just looking for ways to be mad at people. He's just trying to find some petty way to just, ah, I'm going to be mad at you for this. Surprise, he follows reporters. <laughs> oh. He does have burners. He does. Oh, of course he does. I bet he has push notifications on for certain <laughs> reporters. He's just, he's just lucky he switched over to his main account before tweeting this time. That's true. Valid question for sure. UConn is considering using a 300-pounder at running back. They may not score like 200 and nothing. Here's a tweet from Joe Arruda. The UConn football roster is so thin at running back. Jim Morris said the staff uh, is considering six-foot, 300-pound defensive lineman Jelani Stafford to play the position. Stafford played some running back in high school and was, quote, pretty darn good. When he was 220. Come on, UConn. It'd be great to see it. You guys are terrible. I want to see yeah, a highlight see this. of a 300-pounder getting, and yes. not just a goal line carry. I want no. you giving him the ball at the 30-yard line. Third and four yes. at midfield. Put and put him in. God, come on, UConn. I, I want the I want the jump on his back. <laughs> 
What do you have to lose, UConn football? What do you have to lose? UConn got blown out by this Utah State team that UNLV just dominated. Here's the uh, scores for UConn this year. They lost to Utah State by 11. They did beat Central Connecticut State. Good job on that one. Juggernaut. They lost That's to, a high school. They lost to Syracuse 48 to 14. They lost to Michigan 59 nothing and NC State 41 to 10. Put the 300 pounder in the backfield. 10 points against uh NC State. It's kind yeah. of a over overachievement. They play Fresno State this weekend. Big Mountain West matchup. Put the 300 pounder yes. in see if he can run through the Mountain West. And if they and if he does I'm telling you on this show, UNLV better find a 300-pounder when they play Fresno State. <laughs> Put him in the game. I don't care about this Aiden Robbins and his 200 yards rushing. Give me the 300-pounder. Kalon told me a couple days ago, I, you got to get rid of this echo. <laughs> can't talk. I'm drunk. Whatever. <laughs> Tom Brady is a fan of Bill's offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, breaking his tablet. Uh, if you missed it, the Bills coordinator slammed his tablet on the table and anything else he could find after Did you the... see that? Oh, it's great. Man, Man he was trying new... to tell him spike the ball. Yeah, after what an the Bills eruption. failed to spike. What oh, an eruption. You weren't here Monday. So here was the, the video itself. Did you catch at the end the hand that blocks the camera? Yes, like, I did catch oh, that. Oh, that's yeah, great. I did catch and that. so here was my question. The hand that blocks the camera. Did that person do good? at their job because they stopped us from seeing the next 10 seconds or did that person do poorly at their job because they let us see the first eight seconds of ken dorsey losing his mind um i want to say that you can't predict dorsey's going to do that <laughs> so i don't give him a hard time for not doing it in the beginning so because, you're saying very I mean, good quick thinking yeah i mean because i think there's no way like like right now if jared goes and just punches the uh, computer screen we have no <laughs> idea he's about to do that right Right. I mean, yeah. So, and then you would kind of try to, you know, jump over the, uh, jump over the panel here and try to stop him. I wouldn't. But, I'd just let him go. But it wouldn't be because Tyler knew would, he was going to do it. Tyler would get up, walk across the hall to Fox Sports, and start his new show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Tom Brady was asked about it. He said, "I thought it was pretty impressive. It looked a little uh, like trademark infringement based on my prior week, but I like the passion. Keep it up." Um, Who pays for these things? The tablets? The teams? No, I'm pretty sure Microsoft sends all. Yeah. They're just all giving no matter what, no matter how many a break. I told you two weeks ago, it's got to be the best thing Microsoft tablets have ever had going for them. Is their tablets getting just obliterated? Yeah, because then you say, oh, look what they did to the Microsoft tablet. Right. I think I'd have to go double check this. I think the NFL put out a uh, memo saying, hey, let's not throw tablets. Um, (laughs) But if I'm Microsoft, I'm like, throw these things. Let's have a competition. New Pro Bowl competition. How far can you throw a Microsoft tablet? <laughs> well, they're not far off from that. Did you see what they're <laughs> yes. going to be doing? How far? That should be one of the new competitions. Allegiant Stadium, line up. Who Just can flip them like thing? a Frisbee. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to have the Frisbee competition, the shot put competition. The discus. And the, you and know, the discus. like overhand, throw it like a right. football. Like, absolutely. Ooh, you do depth based on like, all right, you got to spike it like Gronk. Yes. Oh, you, how many spikes does it take for it to not turn back on? Oh, I was thinking how far to get it into the ground. Oh, like embed it. Yeah, okay. See, we got like six six competitions out of this one tablet. Phenomenal. And it'd be great advertising for Microsoft. Best commercial they've ever had. Well, yeah, literally the commercial is you have a you have like somebody run out and go, yeah, he threw it really far, and it's still playing the video. <laughs> 
I don't care about him. Next question. Alonzo uh, Ball says he good. can't run or jump yeah. without feeling pain. He Which had for a basketball player in the NBA. <laughs> it's not good. He'll be fine. He had uh, knee surgery in January, and apparently has not been able to actually rehab and come back because he was talking about it earlier this week, and he was like, "Yeah, I'd, you know, I'd go through some non-basketball activities and would feel fine." But he's like, the minute I would start to play basketball, I'd feel pain in my knee. And so he's he's apparently going to have another knee surgery, which they he says he expects to actually play this season, expects to be back. But, like, you have a knee surgery in January. And, and then you can't run or jump right now in October. Right. We're getting into October, and you're going to have another knee surgery. Like, not that his career is going to be over, but that's not good. No. Like, normally we're amazed that athletes come back so quickly from injuries. Wonder if the second guy, wonder if the guy who did the first one was doing the second one. <laughs> I mean, I will say that when they, having had knee surgery, when they do the first one, they're sort of like, okay, we cleaned that up. Oh God! All right, your body completely reacted to that not the right way. All right, uh, let's try to fix it. So we'll see. Um, but that is, uh, I can't imagine a good thing for Lonzo Ball and the rest of his career. Coming up next. We'll get into some UNLV football because they've got legitimate chance to win the Mountain West. The front page is brought to you by Bonkers Comedy Club. The Suncoast Hotel and Casino is the place to eat, drink, and laugh. Check out Bonkers Comedy every Saturday night show starting at 7 and 9.30. Shotgun formation for Doug Brumfield. He takes the snap. Two-step drop. Looking. Passing over the middle. The pass is complete. Williams at the 35 up to the 39-yard line. A 29-yard reception in the clutch for Nick Williams, who came off the bench, and it's a first down for the Rebels. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. You ready for some optimism, Ed? Well, it's you and UNLV football, so I expect nothing else. UNLV, according to SP+, has the fourth best odds to win the Mountain West Championship. Not to get there, not to go to a bowl game. The fourth best odds to be the champions of the Mountain West. So right now, here's according to SP+. Air Force is the favorite, a 29% chance to win the title. Fresno State is number two at 27%. Boise State is number three at 25%. I will say I don't believe SP+, factors in quarterback transfers in the middle of the season. That's too high for them. So Boise probably is a step back there. And then number four, there is a big drop-off in percentage, by the way, from 25% to 7% for UNLV to win the Mountain West title. Yeah, I think you bring Boise back. They just lost to UTEP, and their quarterback <laughs> transferred out the next day or the day before. So uh, I think you come back with Boise, and UNLV 7% would be higher. Can this team go 6-1? and one? Maybe five and two is good enough. Can they go five and two, six and one in their last seven Mountain West games to go to the Mountain West? I think Championship six and one's game? really hard. I, I do think too. Six and one's really hard. I do too. Um, I mean, but, there's good teams they're going to play. They still have to play Air Force. They still have to play Fresno. They have to go to at San Jose. I think they go at San Diego State. Yes, I believe so. Although San Diego State's down, but they're still on the it's still on the road. Yeah, and it's I think by the end of the year we're still talking about San Diego State as having one of the best defenses in the conference. Defense, like yeah. it's still going to be one side of their team is going to be good and right. you can lose, right? You can lose that game 17-14 like and, San Diego State won the other day. Right, and you look around being like, "Ah, oh, what happened there?" Right. So it 
making the Mountain West title game probably going to be very, very difficult for UNLV just because I don't believe they'll win all of those games or all but one or two of those games, which is what it's going to take for UNLV to be playing for the Mountain West title. Most likely there could be, listen, this could be, it is a bad Mountain West. So it could be a strange season where like, Hey, five and three in the conference is good enough to get you into the conference title game. As long as you win some tiebreakers. So maybe that does in fact happen, but it's certainly to a point where you're three and one, you're off to a one and oh start. You blew out Utah state. I mean, they want what they went by 10, but it was a blowout against Utah state. It certainly is a team that, that has that possibility. Um, but you, man, you're coming in here. telling me they can't do it. You were, you were optimistic. You're supposed to be the, no, 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 one. no. I'm, I, I, my, my optimism was they're going to a bowl. They do get, by the way, air force and Fresno, both at Allegiant. So that'll help. Is Jake Hayner playing for Fresno state? That's the key. Cause is if he? I do not, I have not seen, they had a bye week so they didn't, I, there was not any updates on him for this past weekend and I haven't seen any going forward, but they play UConn, so they might be able to win without him for another week. And then well, for Central back. California, one day ago, Jake Hayner, Evan Williams, and others to be sidelined for Fresno State at UConn. Yeah, okay, but it's UConn, right? So they'll probably you're dealing still with three hundred pound running backs. <laughs> you can probably win that game. Um, Doug Brumfield now he leads the Mountain West in quarterback rating. He's also first in yards per attempt. He is third in completion percentage. Um, he's been very, very good this year. My main question, do you believe they've played three bad defenses in Idaho state, North Texas, and Utah state? I think they have, but I'm not going to, I think he's, I still think he's been really, really good. I do. Yes. I mean, I think he's been really good no matter who they've played. Um, they haven't played the tougher teams on their schedule yet. So we'll have to see when he does that. Um, but I'm not going to say that he doesn't deserve everything he's getting just because of who they've played. Yeah. And so trying to sort of project what the rest of this season looks like. I think the important part is trying to figure out how good are any of the teams they've played. Cal's the best team that they've played so far, and that's the worst game Rumfield's had was against Cal. He's been unbelievable in the other three, but against Cal, he struggled. And if we're trying to project here, which of those games is, gives us the best idea of what the rest of this season looks like, right? New Mexico is also bad, so I expect him to play well against New Mexico. But you mean when which they, of the remaining games? No, well, well, like, okay, when they play Air Force, Fresno State, San Jose State, Notre Dame, San Diego State, those five games in a row, are those five teams more like Utah State, North Texas, or Cal? Cal. So that so if we're projecting forward, we don't think Doug Brumfield's going to be this good for the I rest think of it's the hard season. for him to keep up this level. He's done it longer than I actually thought he would, to be completely honest. Um, so that's sort of, I think the, the question is, I don't still don't really think I have a good idea of how good North Texas and Utah State are. Like I, we're going to have to wait on those. Right. Like I don't think, like I, I think Utah State's bad. They lost to Weber State by like 30 points yeah. and UNLV went in there and won by 10. But like is North, like North Texas, uh, they're like two and three this year. They've given up a lot of points, so they might be a bad defense too. It just feels like UNLV's they they've had a lot of benefit with how bad their how bad the teams are on their schedule, but, they're gonna, and they're going to play New Mexico again, and they're going to play Hawaii and Nevada again, who are also bad. And I'm just trying to figure out like if we're talking about can they go to the Mountain West title game? That five game stretch, you can ignore the Notre Dame game, but the the four Mountain West games there that's going to determine it, right? And if those games look like the Cal game, 
then it's going to be hard to go six right. and one. You will be eleven even five and two. You know, if you have a shot in most of those games, absolutely. But if it looks like the Cal game, Brownfield's probably going to struggle, and they're going to need the defense to be really good and the offense to I mean, squeak out twenty-one points. I'm really interested to see because they're much better defensively. It's the best defense so, they've had since I've been here. So of all those teams, I really want to see them play Air Force, given what happened last year. Like I want to see because if they're better defensively. They're not gonna. What happened against Air Force last year is not gonna happen again. What if they're What if they're better defensively, but Arroyo just they just can't defend the option. <laughs> well, then they're not gonna win the game. <laughs> like the Air Force is gonna win. Like they like Fresno State, San Jose State, Notre Dame. Like they give up like twenty points to all those teams, but they just like nope, we cannot yeah. defend the option. Just forget about it. Can't do it. Which, to be honest, if you were building a college football team and you were like, you know what, we don't we don't care about defending the option. I'd be perfectly fine with that. You're going to face it. Well, how many times are you going to look right. at it? UNLV doesn't. UNLV's in the same conference. They don't even play Air Force every year. Right. You're going to play them, you know, twice every five years or something like that. So I'd be perfect. If, if he would never say this, but if Marcus Arroyo just said, we don't spend time on that. It's not worth it to us to waste practice time learning how to defend the option. So we just don't. I'd be like, that's probably smart because you've got 11 other teams that are going to do nothing like that the right. entire year. And losing the one game to Air Force is not going to make or break your season. I would, it, he won't ever say that because a coach would get skewered if he did. But if he did, I'd be like, yep, that is perfectly fine, Arroyo. I have no problem with you being like, who cares about defending the option? One team runs it that will play. I mean, as soon as he said that, as soon as he said, we're never, we're not going to focus on defending the option, I would immediately go, when do we play them? And how long would it take us to install the option? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Notre Dame being like, we're putting in the option, boys? Exactly. <laughs> might help San Diego State. I, I mean, I was going to say, if you're San Diego State, San Diego State you, might, you might be thinking about if it. If you're Nevada, it, and Jared's kind of right here. If I'm like Nevada, and it's like six plays, and my team sucks, I'm not going. I guess they do have two or three wins already. So I guess if they did turn it around, they could go to a bowl game. But my team sucks, and the only thing that's important is beating UNLV. And I and Arroyo said something like, "We don't we don't really practice to defend the option." I think if I was Nevada, I might be like, "All right, quick install, let's go." We're, <laughs> Put in the option. We're putting in the the option, <laughs> right? We're running the veer. Like it's what's happening. He can't defend it. We've never run it before, but that's perfectly fine. The Quarterback veer is literally like six plays. Yeah, just yeah. get out of here. We're gonna we're gonna run we the are option. Marshall. Yeah, that would be tremendous if a coach actually did that. All right, coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. All right, Jason. How sad is it to be a Raiders fan right now? It's it's interesting. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 let me say this: like you're used to, if you're a Raiders fan for a long time, you're used to losing. You're even used to losing in weird ways. I think this year so far has hit a little different because Raiders fans, while they may every year be obnoxious, like I'm one of them with the expectations, I think deep down in our hearts, usually we know that we've just built sort of a house of cards. This year, that was not the case. This year was like actually one of those moments where you step back and you thought, man, this team is really good. And I'm not sure they're not, by the way, pretty good at least, but they find interesting ways to rip your heart out every week. So it's different because this year – I think you thought she was different this time, and now you're finding out she's still crazy. <laughs> is it not a problem, but 
Well, is it a problem that Matt Collins has been the most productive receiver? I think it speaks to one of the deficiencies of Derek Carr, and I say that that as a Derek Carr fan. Y'all know I'm a Derek Carr fan. I think that Derek Carr pre-snap is really good at figuring out what a defense is going to give him. I think Derek Carr post-snap is really good at figuring out what the defense gave him and where he's going to go to the ball with the ball right away. And so there's just a moment of Carr doesn't seem to always be comfortable just sitting back there and scanning the field. I think part of that is because he's not comfortable he's going to have time to throw, and part of that is because he's just not comfortable that he's going to be able to get the throw to where it needs to go for somebody like Devontae. Like, so week one, too many chances, and week two and three, like Goldilocks, Goldilocks have been sort of the opposite. If anyone didn't see Orlovsky's breakdown on some of the throws oh, yeah. by Derek Carr, yep. I, I, it, A, it's worth watching, and B, before anybody claps back at Orlovsky, remember that while he may not have been a spectacular quarterback, he spent his whole life breaking down film, sitting in a room, being lectured about what throws he should and should not have made. Like any time a quarterback sits there and watches film, like I think all of us could be benefited, no matter what their track record on the field was, to sit down, shut up, color in our books, and listen. I think it's a really good tutorial on Orlovsky showing where Carr has missed throws. All right, three weeks in, um, hot take or bad take that Devontae Adams is going to regret being a Las Vegas Raider? So. I think it's a hot take, but here's where it gets weird. And, and, and just being real, like th- there's two sides to this. Number one, if you want glass half full, the Raiders have had the ball in their hands in all three games with an opportunity to win or tie the game, and they are 0-3. This is a team that last year lost or won seven games on a walk-off fashion, a new NFL record. They won seven games the way that they're essentially losing games this year. So maybe it normalizes, and all of this turns out to be okay. If it doesn't turn out to be okay, the, the reason it's not a hot take that Devontae regrets it is because he made it clear part of the reason he wanted to come to the Raiders. Part of it was that Aaron Rodgers made it clear to Devontae he couldn't promise him what the future was going to look like. So he comes here and he plays for Vegas. Well, if the Raiders really do fall off the deep end, Derek Carr won't be his quarterback. So if he came here to play with his best friend for the next three years, that's not going to be the case. And then it suddenly becomes a very, very not hot take he will regret being here because you have no idea what the quarterback position could look like. That's what happens. Like if this season goes off the rails for anyone that thinks that Josh McDaniels is going to get fired, you lost your mind. Stop wasting your breath. He's going to be here for the rest of the year and for the long future. That that's just there's no there. I I think Josh McDaniels could start the season 0 and 15 and still have his job as a head coach. So everybody needs to relax on the fire Josh McDaniels thing. Uh, but for the end of this season, if this season doesn't go well, it's Derek Carr that will be the one on the chopping block, like it or not. Yeah, and Devontae afterwards told us both frustrated and angry. Which one do you think he's more? Angry. I, I think you saw, I saw it, y'all, like, because I, I flew to Nashville. I got off the plane. I took an Uber. I got to the stadium. I had a buddy that hooked me up with the seat. I was eight rows off the field right behind the Raiders bench. And right behind the Raiders bench on that touchdown that, that Darren Waller dropped, that I think that ball was actually headed for Devontae. Whether he was eligible or not, I can't tell from that angle. But it looked like Devontae thought he had a play on it. He was jumping up and down, and a lot of people saw that replay. The last saw standing right by the sideline was Devontae was, was, was yelling and jumping all the way up and down the sideline the entire way. Like, he, he seems angry right now, and, and I don't blame him. Like, there is a certain level of excellence that he's used to uh, from the Packers and what they're able to execute. And, you know, if you, you could talk all day long about Aaron Rodgers 
and Devontae and their success. But a lot of that comes from the fact that the two of them knew what to do, knew the standard. The standard is the standard. All the cheesy cliches of football guys, like they lived that for a long time. And I don't think that that's necessarily the way this team is living right now. And you, you can feel the anger from them. It was, it was palpable in the field. You said Carr would be on the chopping block before McDaniels if this season stays this poor. Um, who who would be the next quarterback? Like, would they try to keep it all together but draft a rookie, or would they try to keep it all together and bring in Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, what would actually be the plan of succession if they did move on from Carr? I, I think if they moved on from Carr, the draft is probably the best way that you go. Um, you know, and this is a stacked year in the draft, but I also tell everybody this before – and this is just my message for all the keyboard kitties on Twitter. Like, just remember that, you know, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota were supposed to be the answers for their respective franchises. Until a couple of weeks ago, people were trying to call Trevor Lawrence a bust, but every other quarterback taken in that draft is being called a bust already. Daniel Jones is a bust for the Giants. Like, we keep saying, we're going to go in the draft and find a quarterback. We'll get the next Mahomes. For every Mahomes, there's like 10 guys that suck and they're out of the league in five years. So, like, what are we talking about? So... You know, I, I think the, the draft is where it would go. The one thing, and this is just pure conjecture, I have no inside information. The one thing that I think is going to be interesting in a year from now is when the Ravens have not reached a long-term deal with Lamar Jackson, they're going to exclusive franchise tag him, which means anybody that signs him, they would have a chance to match that contract. But they've also made it clear they won't match guaranteed money. I think a team like the Giants are going to come in and offer him $400 million fully guaranteed that the Ravens will never match. So Lamar Jackson is going to, I, I think, is going to have a real opportunity to play somewhere else in a year. Is that the guy that Josh McDaniels wants to build his offense around? I have no idea. Like, it seems easier to go out, draft a quarterback, and just start to, to rebuild slowly around that person. What did it tell you about Simpson and Cotton uh, and what happened with that line? All five played every snap, but uh, something went on there. And Derek, afterwards, we thought this was interesting, talked about practice habits, um, you know, you need to practice, you need to watch film. He wouldn't expand on it, but th- there's just to bring that up out of the blue said something that there was something there that was going on. I don't know if it was exactly Simpson, but for him to be replaced, I thought that was interesting. Uh, that is it, it, a, a great point by you. B, I mean, the most stunning thing about the Raiders so far this year to me is not that they're 0 and 3, it's that I've never seen a team three weeks in that doesn't, clearly does not have a starting five at all that they're even close to on the offensive line, and where it's every week, and it's not just because of health. Every week it's different guys constantly. I know Andre James is in concussion protocol, and that plays a part of this, but uh, you can take all of that and throw it away and say, hey, we've got interior portions of the line. They're just shifted around suddenly, and you're a 1,000% right. Carr has been in this league a long time, and he knows what he says in front of a microphone gets picked up certain ways. I don't believe that smart quarterbacks make accidents when they speak at press conferences. I just don't. So for him to come out and question practice habits in a week where the team felt a little sloppy and the offensive line was completely changed out, like uh, that was a, a massive, massive statement to me. And it's the thing that this team doesn't have right. It didn't cost them. The offensive line didn't cost them the game against the Titans, but it's certainly not right. And, and we all know that you can feel that. And, I don't think there's a lot of trust with the coaching staff, with the running back, or with the wide receivers, or, or sorry, I should do with the quarterback, uh, towards this offensive line. All right, here we go. Favorite thing I can do uh, in today's show, we're giving away tickets to go see Eddie Vedder. Do you have an Eddie Vedder or Pearl Jam story? Um, no, no. I, I am a massive Pearl Jam fan, and Eddie Vedder 
a big Chicago Cubs fan. Uh, Sarah Spain, my co-host, has hung out with him a bunch of times. I am wildly jealous that I have never done that. Here's the one thing I don't really get about Pearl Jam, though. Like, I loved the beginning of their career. I loved those angst-ridden records. I, I could do without the folk chapter, personally. That's just me. Like, I don't like my rock stars to suddenly become, like, super thought-provoking in – like that way. Like I, lo- I was out on Metallica after they went through therapy, like together on a documentary. Because metal bands, to me, shouldn't be sitting in a room talking about their feelings. Like that's just hard for me. It's also hard for me to have like a banjo-ridden like Pearl Jam Eddie Vedder record. Like that's just that's a little difficult. So you know, but I I will say this: I have three different friends that have gone to this Pearl Jam tour multiple times, and one of them has seen them five times. No two shows have been the same. And he says it's the best shows they've ever done. So they're, they're out there kicking it. Uh, so we need to get Sarah Spain on the show for an Eddie Vedder story is what you're telling me. Yeah, 100%. Well, and plus, she's a far bigger name, better guest than I ever am. So, yes. <laughs> All right. He's Jason Fitz from ESPN. Uh, she is unfortunately not a sad Raiders fan like you. Uh, Jason, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Hey, you guys, I got that Victory Monday shirt. One year I'm going to wear it. So much fun. (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck. Uh, So there's Jason Fitz from ESPN on the Raiders. Jared, do you want to do Eddie Vedder tickets now or make people wait? Let's make people wait. Tease it. Stick around later in the show. All right, coming up next, this is one of my favorite stories that have ever existed. There is legitimate drama in chess. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Coming up later in the show, we got tickets to go see Eddie Vedder. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Sam and Ash going to join us as well. But this is one of uh, the yes. funniest stories that I think I've seen. So there's two chess players. One's named Magnus Carlsen. He's apparently like the best chess player in the world. He's the world champion of chess or something like that. There's another guy named Hans Niemann, who's a 19-year-old. Earlier this month, Hans Niemann beat Magnus Carlsen. So Hans beat the world champion of chess. Over the weekend, they had a rematch. And Magnus Carlsen quit after one move. Magnus Carlsen then put out a statement saying he believes Hans Niemann cheated in their first match. Now, after he lost the first time, he didn't actually say that he thought he cheated, but he was very cryptic and vague and led people With his on, comments. Right, led people on to believe that he thought that Hans Niemann had cheated to beat him. Now oh, she loves saying Hans Niemann. Oh, it's a great name. So Magnus and Hans. So what this led to. Uh, first off, Hans Niemann has admitted that he cheated when he was 12 and when he was 16 playing so as soon as three years ago, playing online chess. But when he beat Magnus Carlson, they were in person and he's, he's, he says he did. He's never cheated when he's played like when in, he's played person in person chess, but he did admit to cheating in online chess. How do you cheat in online chess? All right. So here's, here's where we're getting into what's great about this story. The accusations of cheating are basically suggesting that Hans Niemann had somehow had some help or something. Whatever the moves on the board were, were being plugged into a chess computer that was then spitting out and telling him, here's the optimal move to Wait, make. This is live or on video or on, on the, on the uh, online. 
either one. You could do it either one. But the but it because he beat him in person, people are suggesting that this happened somehow while he was sitting there in person playing him in chess. And the accusation. Now, to be clear, this is not the accusation from Magnus, the actual guy who lost. But the accusation is that he was wearing something that would buzz and tell him what move to make. This guy's like in the Astros. But here's the problem. How do you buzz and like... How, okay. There's there's oh, like no. multiple chess pieces. You yeah. have multiple options to move them to. Yeah. It's going to have to be a very complex buzz. But here's the best part. the The best rumor in all of this is that what was buzzing to tell him what to do was a butt plug. Okay. We got to go to break. Okay. We're going to let's go to break 4 minutes early. Oh my god. All right. Is this for Sam and Ash? Well, yeah, there, we're is there, we're going to I don't know if there's, there's an actual lawsuit. Uh, I don't know if there's actually a lawsuit, but we are going to ask Sam and Ash about this because it's great. Uh, it's a phenomenal story. Um So yes, that was the accusation. Okay, I go back to one of your original points is no matter where the buzzing was coming from. <laughs> How many buzzes? I mean, hold on. Wait, wait. I would definitely know the difference between, like, okay, that's the one-second buzz. That's the two-second <laughs> buzz. Like, if each one had... I mean, yeah, it's just how many buzzes and what kind of buzzes do you need so, to, to know what what chess piece to, like, where to put the next chess piece? So, they're... Very complex buzzing. The, yes. Uh, I, okay, so I I know about certain devices that they'll that they used to... People used to have installed in their shoes so that they could count cards. And they would have like the count based on buzzing. Yeah, based on the buzz. Like their their shoe would have the count for them, and it buzz in their shoe. I don't know how it worked, but I do remember being taught that that's how some people cheat, and they find them. They cut open their shoes and find these like, and it's be like, oh, three buzz, three buzzes, and quick six, almost Morse code, like right, buzz, 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 buzz. And they're like, oh, okay, so it's the Dex plus five. <laughs> okay, so I do. I do have two other things to but, tell you about this story. Now, well, if you, you are a listener, story, you could stop the story right now, and you don't really have to go on. <laughs> if you are a listener and you have had um, something, you know, buzzing inside you, uh, let us know uh, at uh, Bischoff underscore Tyler. I can't wait for it. Um, uh, he wants pictures, so just DM those. So. Uh, Magnus, the world champion who got beat, this was part of his statement as to why he thinks this other guy cheated. His progress has been unusual, and throughout the game in the Sinquid Field Cup, which is where he lost, I had the impression that he wasn't tense or even fully concentrating on the game. So he thinks he's got cheated because the guy no was focus because the guy was nonchalantly beating him. Which just sounds like a sore loser, by the way, right? Like you lost to this guy and he was not taking it seriously. You just sound like a sore loser. Um, there's also, according to the story on Yahoo News, um, they reached out to Kenneth Reagan, who is at the University of Buffalo and is apparently an expert in chess and identifying chess cheaters. He analyzed their game and said that it's very hard to say that he cheated because he didn't play well enough to actually be cheating. So how poorly did Carlson play as right. the best player in the world? Right. If that guy didn't play well and he still won. Right. So that's uh, your fun chess story of the day. 
Can you go back to the uh, the butt plug? <laughs> I didn't want to say that. Is that worth it? How much did you win? That is a good question. I do not know the answer to that. That is a good question. I mean, there's like a million dollars on the line. I, that is a good question. I, mean, I wouldn't give a baseball away for two million, so you know I'm not cheating at chess. <laughs> because here's the other part. If that's true, and we've established it's got to be a fairly complicated buzzing system to yes. tell him what to do, they had to do a trial run. They had to practice, practice this practice multiple times. Perfect. 